0: This is a CBC podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Paul Hunter sitting in for Ian Hanneman welcome to cross country spotlight highlights from checkups live show on Sunday. And today, that means you're about to hear our ask me anything on the Donald Trump indictments. should describe this because it's not something we've seen in our time
0: the attack on our nation's capital was an unprecedented assault on the seat of american democracy prosecutors at the department of justice take an oath to defend the constitution against threats both foreign and domestic and this case is going to represent a test of that principle a former
1: u.s president facing criminal charges not too long ago that would have seemed unimaginable but This is already the third time this year we've seen Donald Trump make that very public trip into a courtroom to enter a plea. This time, he's accused of trying to overturn the 2020 election results. He pleaded not guilty on Thursday. And he pleaded not guilty in two other indictments filed earlier this year. But analysts agree that the charges this week might be the most serious. And they're the only ones that tie back to the aftermath of that election three years ago, the one Trump lost but said he won. Our AMA guest is Paul Waldman. He's a columnist at the Washington Post. He joined us recently to take your questions about the Donald Trump indictments. Here are some highlights from the show. Thanks for joining us, Paul. My pleasure. So (laughs) where to begin? Of all, How about this? Of all the charges facing Trump right now, what's the one that you're the most interested to see play out?
0: Well, I think this set of charges, which uh, are the third set that has come up, are really the most serious because they have to do with his efforts to overthrow the 2020 election. He was indicted in New York for some campaign finance violations stemming from the hush money paid to Stormy Daniels. Uh, He was indicted for the Mar-a-Lago documents case, which is very serious. But this really goes to the foundation of democracy, and I should say we're going to see one more set of indictments in all likelihood coming from the state of Georgia. Uh, These are federal indictments, the ones that happened this past week, and those are about the same series of events, but specific to what he did in Georgia, which was one of the swing states that he lost narrowly, and he essentially tried to uh, convince Georgia officials, even though Joe Biden had won the state, to hand the state's electoral votes to him. And these are the most serious because they really get to something absolutely foundational to democracy which is that you know in a democracy you have an election one side wins the other side loses and the side who loses goes home and tries again next time and trump uh, made clear that that wasn't good enough for him and he tried to take steps to overturn that election now if you listen to what his defenders including his lawyers are saying now the argument that they're making is that well you know it was all just talk that he has the right, like anybody else, to say that he thought the election wasn't fair or that he was the rightful winner. And everything that uh, is alleged in the indictment is just him expressing his opinion. Now, what the indictment makes clear, and they say this quite explicitly, that in in the indictment that he did have every right to say those kinds of things, but he's being indicted for the actions that he took, uh, including things like trying to uh, create sham lists of electors, and we can get into the whole complicated uh, uh, way that the Electoral College works in the United States, um, but things like, uh, like that, like trying to undermine the counting of the votes in Congress that is sort of the official end of the whole process. So he's being indicted for the actions that he took, which were an attempt to overturn a lawful election. So that's really the most important of all of these. Now, it's possible that he could be convicted uh, in, in the other cases, Even in theory, given prison time, although that's pretty unlikely, uh, it's more likely that he would get a fine, maybe have to be be on probation, but, you know, it's possible. It's within the law for him to be given prison time if he is convicted. Um, But this is the one that really goes to the heart of the most important thing, and also what we're now potentially facing in 2024. Of course, he is a candidate uh, in 2024, and... And we don't know what uh, would happen uh, if he loses this election. Is he going to call upon his supporters to you know, undertake acts of violence like we saw on January 6, 2021? Well, uh, so uh, these questions are still very, very active. We also know that he has promised to take revenge on people who are now pursuing him legally if he is given the presidency again. So all of these are very much not historical of historical interest, they are very much live issues that we're going to face uh, again as we go into this next election. A couple things. First of all, uh, respect
1: and thanks for uh, punting discussing the electoral college to another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, too far in the weeds, so that's good. But but point taken. Um, on the other, let's let's deal with a. I think a, a question. I know you know the answer to this one, that a, a lot of people have been wondering, which is you know, and maybe it's self-evident what you're just saying, but does any of the above, does any of that prevent him from running? Is he, 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 you know, charged, convicted, who knows, on timing, but does does anything on Donald Trump's plate right now prevent him from running again or being reelected again, legally?
0: Uh, not legally. There, There actually was a case in 1920, the socialist candidate, uh, for President Eugene Debs was actually in prison while he was running for president, so there's something of a precedent for it. Um, hmm. But there's no legal provision that prevents uh, one from being uh, from being a candidate or for from being elected to president if you are under indictment or if you have a criminal conviction. We don't really know what the schedule is going to be like. Or the prosecutors want to kind of get it all wrapped up before next November, but. Trump's legal team is very keen on dragging things out as long as possible. It's also possible that the the trials could take place, one or more of them. He could be convicted and then he would almost certainly appeal. And that's a process that can play out over months or even years. Um, But there's no legal reason why he can't. Now, ordinarily, you would think that somebody who is under indictment – or especially, but especially if they're convicted, that they wouldn't be able just politically to mount a successful presidential campaign. But it doesn't seem to be having an effect on him in the primaries. It remains to be seen whether it would in a general election where he has to appeal to all the voters and not just his own party. But, uh, he, you know, it's just the latest time where Trump has kind of upended the ordinary political rules that we all thought were hard and fast. <laughs> Which
1: happens, it seems, uh, almost daily. I wonder, Paul, You know, does the Republican Party have any options when it comes to Trump? And, and we know that there, he has his supporters within the party, and obviously with uh, his so-called base, and voters broadly. But if if he goes down the path toward the nomination, as he, ha- as he is, is there anything within party rules if the party says, wait a minute, this, this isn't the way we ought to be going, there's... there's Trouble for America looming if, if this is seen through, can they stop him if he keeps going
0: as a party? Well, the answer to that question has to start with who you mean when you're talking about the party. Uh, parties in uh, in the states these days are actually pretty weak uh, when it comes to that kind of those kinds of uh, procedural uh, mechanisms that they have to kind of take control. you know, it, there was a day when, Decisions got made in the smoke-filled back rooms, but that day is really quite far behind us for many decades now. And so even if the most important leaders of the party, elected officials, you know, big donors, even if they wanted to get rid of him, it's not clear that there's a, there, there is actually a mechanism by which they could do that. And then you have to take the fact that most of those people are actually Trump loyalists. Um, for instance, the, the chair of the Republican Party uh, is a woman named Ronna McDaniel. She, uh, until 2016, was known professionally and personally as Ronna Romney McDaniel, McDaniel because she's M- Mitt Romney's niece. Uh, Trump doesn't like Mitt Romney, and Ronna McDaniel is such a Trump loyalist that she literally changed her name in order to please him. She dropped the Romney from her name and is now just known as Ronna McDaniel. So she's the chair of the party and up and down the party, elected officials, all the the big money people. Yes, there are people who don't like Donald Trump and kind of wish that they could move past him and just kind of start a new era for their party. There are some who think that uh, their biggest problem with him is that he has lost a number of elections for them. But uh, those people are outnumbered by Trump loyalists or people who may not personally like him but know that their their best move politically for their own survival and their own flourishing within the party is to be strong Trump supporters. And you, know, you can see kind of a vivid illustration of this in the reaction to his indictment. Even people who are running against him, like Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, they came out and defended Trump against this indictment and said that it was all a big witch hunt and the weaponization of the Justice Department uh, because they're so afraid of his voters who make up the, the party base. Now, there are plenty of Republican voters who are kind of ambivalent about him, but there really isn 't anybody with any kind of power who could say that 's it we 've had enough, and we 're going to get rid of him there There isn't a way for them to do that, and there aren 't enough people who would want to do that to make it happen, even if there were quick question uh from our uh
1: from online Pascal Calarco has left us a message on air check Paul he wants to know it kind of flows from what we've been talking about if Donald Trump is convicted on federal charges and he wins the election in twenty twenty four can he pardon himself?
0: That is unclear. It's such an unusual situation that's never come up before, <laughs> and there are legal scholars who say that since there's no explicit prohibition on that, it seems like he probably could. And then there are other legal scholars who say, well, it's not laid out in the Constitution, but it's the kind of thing that's so egregious that it can't possibly be legal. Uh, and so we really don't know the answer. Uh, let's, let's go to a, a caller, uh, Patrice Karn in
1: Canada, Ontario, just outside uh, Ottawa, with a question about political donations. Patrice, uh, thanks for calling in. What's your question for Paul Waldman?
2: I was uh, interested in the financial aspect. Uh, why is Trump allowed to use political donations for his and his co-defendant's lawyers' fees? It appears to me as a corrupt use of these donations. And I, I even heard that the Republican Party was sending uh, funds back to his political campaign. Could you comment on this, please?
0: Paul, go for it. Yeah. The, the short answer is that the campaign finance, the legal campaign finance system in the United States has essentially collapsed. Um, there have been o- over the course of the last couple of decades, a couple of major campaign finance laws that were struck down by the Supreme Court that loosened the rules. And now we have a situation where the, the government body that is supposed to enforce those laws, the Federal Election Commission, is basically deadlocked between Democrats and Republicans and has all but stopped enforcing what laws there are and every election cycle we get kind of new iterations where there is some new sort of form of you get political action committees PACs and then you get super PACs and then you get leadership PACs and they uh, the rules the the rules just don't seem to apply and with each passing year there the lawyers find more and more loopholes that they can exploit in more and more dramatic ways so now you have these organizations that are supposed to be independent of the candidate but are supporting the candidate, and it turns out they're not really independent. They're by law not supposed to coordinate their activities, but in fact they do, and they're passing money back and forth, and the same consultants are working for both of them. And um, before Trump came along, the idea that political, political donations would be used for legal fees was something that uh, it uh, was people found just uh, kind of ridiculous or abhorrent, and It turns out that his donors are perfectly happy to give money to him so he can, despite the fact that he's supposedly a billionaire, uh, use it to to pay his own legal bills. And then they started paying other people's legal bills. And it just sort of it it snowballs every time to the point where we're in this kind of wild west where there really are no relevant campaign rules anymore. Uh, And whatever whatever you want to do, basically, there's a way to get around whatever rules that still exist. Um, And so, you know, we have. Limits on how much a person can donate to a candidate that are a few thousand dollars, but you can easily donate to the candidate's affiliated super PAC and give as much as you want.
1: Thank you, Patrice.
0: Hey, thank you.
1: Okay, bye-bye. Uh, we're going to go to uh, Karen Fontaine, I think, in, in, uh, in Jasper. Uh, and I'm going to, Karen, forgive me, I'm going to uh, suggest that your question is the kind of question that a lot of people uh, have been wondering lately. Why don't you uh, pose it directly for our guest?
2: Well, after listening to you there uh, Hi, I've listened to you for a while there I was thinking of some other questions too But basically uh, Why in the world do we, would they Vote somebody in That already has a pattern of lying, cheating And stealing And that will say anything to, to keep his, his money Going in Those people that are donating to him he, They think that he's going to give them He's going to support them He's not, he's just going to use them he's, He has a habit and pattern of that for many years, his own niece has written about that. His sister is a, a high end, uh, lawyer or even higher than that. And she even said that he was like that. So it's an ingrained in his personality and that can't be changed. And so yet the, the, I am shocked on some social sites. People are willing to vote for him again. And I go, are you kidding me? If that was our, our prime minister, we'd have him out in five seconds there.
1: Paul is kind of the great unanswerable or very hard to answer question that's been around for a good long time now. But his support continues despite everything. He's neck and neck in in, in a poll out now with Joe Biden. If if there were to be an election, yes.
0: How do you explain? And I think that? the caller is right that Canadians were much more sensible than Americans. we <laughs> probably not tolerate this sort of thing. Um, but Trump really uh, succeeded in. Creating kind of an uh, an alternate world in which his most ardent supporters live, um, where they get all their information from kind of pre-approved sources, things like Fox News and conservative talk radio, and he's also convinced them that anything that any kind of information that they don't like or that reflects poorly on him is by definition false, and that therefore they can discount all that stuff. And he also did a lot of a lot of other things that I think are uh, where you can kind of see the logic at work and once you accept it, it gives him a kind of moral immunity so uh, for instance, you know we had this dramatic thing that happened in 2016 with the release of the access Hollywood tape where he was on tape bragging about his ability to sexually assault women with impunity, and two dozen different women came forward publicly to say that he had assaulted them and how did he respond to that? He responded to it by going after Bill Clinton. And you would think, well, what does that matter? Why would that make a difference to what he did or didn't do? But he was creating a world in which he wasn't trying to say, I'm innocent. He was trying to say, everybody is guilty. And so therefore, it doesn't matter that I'm guilty. And I think financially, some of the same things are happening. You know, all this criticism of Hunter Biden, the, the president's son, what does it matter? It doesn't really matter. But it creates a world in which everybody's corrupt and all that matters is, whether the people on your side are the ones in power, Trump doesn't say or doesn't say in any way that anyone would actually believe him, that he's trying to create a system that's full of integrity and, you know, where uh, principle reigns. No, he's just trying to say our side has to take power so we can punish our enemies. And we're in a very polarized time. And uh, you have a situation where a lot of people uh, within the Republican Party, people on the right, believe that the only thing that matters is fighting the left and fighting the kind of social change that they don't like and fighting the people that they hate. And, you know, we saw this with the with the real kind of core of Trump support, which is evangelical voters. People thought, oh, well, you know, he's somebody who obviously doesn't, is not very devout. Uh, he's, you know, had all these multiple divorces and women and, and children with all these different women. There is nothing about him that conservative Christians would really find appealing. And it turns out that they found him more appealing than anybody else did because they wanted somebody who would fight their enemies on their behalf. And they didn't care if he was corrupt, if he was fighting against the things that they, that they hate about modern uh, society and the kind of social change we have and he was fighting against the people that they loathe, that that would make him their champion. And that's what happened. And so I think for many, many people, they see an indictment like this one, and they say, I don't even have to see what the details are. It's all him being persecuted, and uh, it doesn't matter because he's on my side. And that's how he tells them every time something like this happens. He comes out and says, oh, I'm being indicted for you. And what exactly he did, what he's being accused of doing, doesn't really matter. They believe that, that he is being indicted for them. They're all on the same side against their enemies. And it's a fight to the death, a civilizational struggle. And the only way you can win is to have Trump be your champion. That was a portion of Cross Country
1: Checkup's AMA with Paul Waldman on the Donald Trump indictments. He's a columnist with The Washington Post. If you'd like to listen to yesterday's full two-hour edition of Cross Country Checkup, you can find it by downloading or streaming the podcast at cbc.ca slash checkup or at the CBC Listen app. And if you want to share comments or appear on the show, go to cbc.ca slash aircheck. I'm Paul Hunter. Thanks for listening. The next live edition of Checkup airs on CBC Radio 1 and CBC News Network next Sunday.
0: For CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.